Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender licensed by the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. NMLS number 328358. Introducing Mortgage Matters. This is a great time to go buy a house. This is when the real estate fortunes are made. State fortunes are made. A show dedicated to helping you navigate the challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. It's very clear our economy is still in trouble. Now your host, the mortgage experts from Central Coast Lending. Starts are doing everything possible to get the COVID-19 under control so that we can reopen our businesses safely, resume our lives, put this pandemic behind us. Broadcasting from the KVEC News Talk 920 and FM 96.5 Studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about time about. for Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters. All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Dan, thanks for being here. Glad to be here. Here we are again. Our new, our intro has me feeling like it's just the coming out of the tunnel at like the homecoming football game pump. Woo. <laughs> yeah. Pretty exciting. Yeah. A little, little freshening, huh? Yeah. Fixing everything up. It's a, it's a whole new year. We got... Just, you know, get everything all reflecting all the new that's everywhere. That's right. All the new. What's new with you, Dan? Well, we have uh, one of our children back in school this week. No way. In-person learning. In-person learning. Three whole hours a day. Um, (laughs) So far, so good. Yeah. How about you? What did your school district decide? Yeah, we got some in-person learning that's going to start on Monday. And so Seems like it's uh, sweeping the county. Yeah, they it was so funny. I was talking to my daughter today because, you know, they've been they used school today to kind of get the kids ready for what to expect. And um so they said there was a laundry list of acceptable masks, um, you know, basically no gaps, no cheater masks, no like of the clear visor things. They want um, just true on the face masks. And so there's a lot of that. They told her when they walked in line anywhere, they needed to hold their hands out in front of them um, to make sure that they had at least that much space around the person next to them. (laughs) And so she's doing like this zombie march through the house. Like I'm practicing for going to the lunch line. And then (laughs) she said, um, uh, the other one was dress in layers, plenty of layers because under no circumstances can they close the windows or doors. Right. there was that one. And, um, you know, all, all together, though, she's pretty pumped to go to school because this is um, and nervous, too, because she's starting sixth grade tomorrow. So this will be like her first day of middle school. Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, so there's all that, you know, you remember the angst of walking into school as a sixth grader. Sure. Yeah, yeah, and then so it, and then my older son, Tucker, he's um, evidently maybe not going to in-person school though we really want him to he switched from they moved him to an afternoon session earlier in the year and he wanted to be in the morning session so he switched himself and evidently they told him that if he switched he wouldn't be eligible for in-person when it came back so 
Um, we didn't know that or get to participate in that decision. So I'm a little frustrated with that. So if he doesn't get in, then I'm going to have to have a word with the school about letting minor children make such significant de- decisions without um, <laughs> grown up interaction or approval. Um, so yeah, we'll see, but you know, I keep thinking though about how difficult all of this has been on so many, um, parents and I guess we should just say caretakers of kids, right? I mean, sure. you're these abbreviated schedules and it's not the same on Monday and Friday and you, or a couple hours here and there, just man, it's make it so difficult for people that are expected to go get their booty in a chair and work all day, you know, in some location. Now you got to try to figure out how to shuttle kids around or just leave them to the zoom meetings at home without much supervision, which honestly, I think, I mean, that didn't work well in our house and I doubt it works very well um, in most households because kids need a lot of uh, guidance. Yeah. It's, I mean, each grade I'm sure presents its own unique set of challenges, but I know with my littler ones you know there's a i feel like a lot of learning at, at those early grade stages is really a, a lot of it has to do with um behavioral learning <laughs> sure you know, learning learning how to behave in these group environments learning yeah. how to behave with the teacher and you know of course there's some academics going on as well but there's a lot of other stuff yeah and i i mean you know with the zoom learning a lot of that had to be on the parents right. um you know it's, there's only so much the teacher can do through the screen so it's interesting, but yeah, here we are. It's uh, it's going back or kind of kind of back. Hybrid back. back. A, yeah, hybrid back. Back. And then of course we've got the county back in the red tier. Yes. And, uh, that means that restaurants can open up to twenty five percent capacity. Yep. Um, I'm getting announcements. You know, I mean, as any listener of the show for you know a while here knows, we love baseball, and I got an email from the A's today saying that they're going to be, they didn't get a lot of details or I didn't look into it too far, but that they will have some in-person fans. Can Um, you imagine? I know. I know. Wow. There's so some sporting events will be opening back up. I saw it, you know, on one of the news sites that the galaxy theater, which we talked about last week, that they're going to be reopening here pretty soon. Yeah. For Um, the third day in a year, they get to be open, which reminded me as you're talking now, it made me think about this again is how we did this once before and it was very short lived. And I wonder this time if this is going to stick or once we start moving too quickly back towards normal, um, are we going to get, you know, start seeing the numbers go the wrong way again and get locked down again? Um, well, the big gatherings always seem to be the test, right? And here we're coming up pretty close to spring break. Sure. Where there's potentially gatherings that are going to occur. Well, Easter, and just holiday the, and that stuff. the kids going to school, man. I mean, that too. Yes. The, the little kids are like a Petri dishes of anything they can collect and bring home. You know that better than anyone. So, sure. I imagine it, you know, I guess we're just going to see maybe, uh, you know, we'll just hope for the best, I suppose. Yeah. I don't know about you, but they have us doing uh, some stuff through an app where we have to do a daily screening of our child um, prior to sending them in. So we use this app called Parent Square in San Luis Coastal. And it's uh, there's a little button at the bottom where you click it and you answer a couple questions like, 
does your kid have a fever? Have they been in close contact with anyone who has COVID? You, you answer the questions and you submit it. You have to do it every day. And hmm. so the idea is to keep people accountable. We may have that. I, my wife would know better than I, but we may have that. I don't know. Yet um, my older son's playing high school baseball and they have to fill out a paper form every day signed by a parent um, with similar questions. And, um, I just thought, you know, I wonder how many people are like, does that really affect the behavior? You know, I was like, your kid has a fever, but you weren't going to send him to school. But now that you might have to lie about it, you're going to keep him home. Yeah. I think it's nothing (laughs) else. Yeah. It's just, it's hitting the pause button every morning or every, you know, for whatever activity it is. And, and hopefully getting people to think about it. You know, let's stop. Let's think. Let's not just go through the motions. So hopefully, you know, this last year has let everyone realize how serious this is. And let's, let's, you know, do our part. And let's not have a, a relapse and not go backward. Let's keep this thing going forward because it sure would be nice to get back to normal life. Yeah. I'm uh, before the show today, I was reading about Friday's big close in the Dow. We had a 570 point turnaround. Um, the Dow closed so high and, you know, the bottom line is, is that there's a lot going into it and a jobs report and other things that we won't, you know, that we'll talk about today. However, so much of this now is focused on how rapid this economic recovery is believed to be. Um, that it's going to be so fast and so good because we're so ready and, um, you know, we're, there's spending numbers and other things that go into it. But I, I just, I keep kind of scratching my head, um, you know, how, how the market moves this way. And, you know, it's funny in the Dow, I saw um, some of the, some of the winners and some of the losers. And, and to tell you um, just, I would submit this as exhibit a that the stock market is rallying around a quick recovery. Today's big losers were pandemic winners, Peloton and zoom slid 12 and 9% respectively. So you've got those guys were winning and they're like, Hey, we're, we're getting out there. We're opening up, we're going back. So what's going to lose is participation in zoom and Peloton. Um, I don't even know how much those stocks are up this year, but it's got to be in the hundreds of percents. Oh, I can only imagine, but yeah. you know, what's funny is, is I don't know that they're going to fade away as fast as, as you think. I mean, there's a convenience factor to, to things like zoom things that have helped businesses operate remotely and help them cut costs of, oh, yeah. you know, housing all these employees in buildings. I, I mean, I read an article this morning that um, litigation is likely going to be virtual from here on out that it's just a better use of a lot of super expensive time to be able to do these things virtually. Um, and that that will likely never go back the other way. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many things where, you know, we've been accustomed to paying fees or or shipping people off to places that we don't, we realize we don't need to do that for the first time in what five, six, seven years that we've done, um, we've had to do a, an annual audit. I finally saw my auditors for the first time. We did a Zoom. And it's funny, before the pandemic, we had only ever 
met over the phone. We never even thought to video conference, but video conferencing became so common um, that we video conference this time. And I actually know what they look like now. <laughs> yeah, funny. Did they look so like can, you pictured? I mean, sure. They're just normal people <laughs> like you and me. And it's, it was great. And so now I have a face to the name and I can only imagine that's how we're going to be meeting in the future. But, um, you know, their practice before, I got lucky. I, I talked them into just doing audits via phone and email before, but they were used to going on site and having the company pay for the hotel rooms and the per diems and the stuff like that. But, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I think those types of things um, are not the way we're going to be doing it in the future. I was thinking about you yesterday, too, as you made the comment, oh, it was years ago about rising gas costs and how um, the dollar per barrel of uh, oil seemed to match what it costs you to fill up. And you know, <laughs> we enjoyed some low gas prices for the last few years, and now gas prices are going up again. Um, they are. But you know what? My driving has decreased. Right. Thanks to Zoom. Yeah, Dude, there was I, I do not I don't know what month it was, but I, I want to say it was like over the like the end of the year holiday kind of time. I had two credit card statement cycles where there was not a single gas purchase on them. Wow. Two months. Of no gas fill-ups. Interesting. So I'm thinking like I'm probably going through the last 12 months with maybe like maybe 10 to 12 fill-ups. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Amazing. Yeah. You've been good at staying home. See, there's... I mean, there's nowhere to go. There's there's the proof. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. I see... You know, it, as part of this stock market rally that we had here on Friday, um, you know, the one of the big losers this week was Tesla, who lost eleven percent. And interesting in the in the eye of surging gas prices, they lost on account of um, you know this spike in interest rate. Um, believe that you know some of these tech-based companies may have difficulty performing um, based on their cost to borrow. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that coming into focus now, um, and of course, we there was a little bit of um, Fed speak again this week. Uh, what was it? Was the the Wall Street, Wall Street Journal um, uh, meeting? What's it called? I got to find my notes here. Um, the Wall Street Journal Jobs Summit, where Fed Chairman Powell um, popped up this week. And, you know, it's so funny. I don't know if you saw this, Dan, but multiple sources I see started talking about um, how it was expected that sometime very soon here that the they were predicting some Fed action. And you and I talked about this on the show last week, is that um, with these bond yields kind of going crazy, um, you know, the sell-off that's occurring there and pushing interest rates higher, um, that the Fed might do a little something, you know, and so what it started to come into focus at the beginning of the week this week that the Fed might bring back Operation Twist, which was about a decade ago now. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, that Operation Twist was where they were buying treasuries and mortgage-backed securities um, with no real end in mind, just trying to kind of manipulate market, right? And, you know, but they... (laughs) 
that allows when the feds are in that mode, it allows them to sh- to sell short term treasuries and buy long term treasuries. It's almost like a refinance function too to lower some borrowing cost, um, but it also lowers um, long term rates. It calms the stock market. It, it gets people feeling better about the economic climate. And so, anyways, I, I this. This move has been developing where people said, oh, man, the feds, they're, they're going to intervene here imminently. Well, that all got squashed yesterday. Um, Fed Chairman Powell at this um, job summit said basically that um, they're not they're not looking at these things right now, that they're unconcerned about the rise in yields and saying that the, that the central bank sees no, no imminent sustained increase in inflation. And, um, you know, basically just failed to give any kind of reassurance whatsoever about this bond market volatility. And just basically, I think it was a pretty big letdown. Um, the fed scheduled by the way, to meet on March 16th and 17th. Um, and, and up until really today, it was thought that we were, hey, we're going to learn on the 16th and 17th. We're going to hear about whatever the Fed has up their sleeve to to squash this sell-off that's been going on. Um, and now, of course, we're, all those bets are off. Kind of interesting. Yeah, that's I mean, it, it is interesting. And maybe maybe they just view, as, view it as a relatively insignificant change um given all that's going on and all the concerns i mean like you said at the opening we are at this point of change um in our lives socially with with all the the reopening occurring and there's a lot of you know different bets if you will on on how that reopening is going to look is it going to be the gangbusters spending that we're all hoping for or is it going to be more gradual is there going to be a lot of rehiring or is that going to be slower to come about? And so I think that's where a lot of this volatility is coming right. from, not to mention the relief bill that, you know, there's kind of being debated as it moves its way through um, through Congress. And they're making changes to so that it gets more support and doing the, those kinds of things. So as that news comes out, you're seeing volatility as well. And. Um, well, and as much so yeah, as maybe, maybe the feds just, I mean, it sounds like that's what they've said. They're unconcerned. They're unconcerned. That's the word was used. And, you know, I, I, I wish that they were concerned and wanted to squash some of this just to get rid of the volatility. It makes it really difficult in, in the business climate and not only in our industry, but in many industries where you see these violent swings from, you know, one day to the next, the Dow's down several hundred points. It's up several hundred points. You got yield swinging all over the place. It makes it hard to plan too. If you don't, you know, if you rely on credit companies like Tesla or other tech companies rely on credit, um, you know, they need to be able to understand or be able to predict what those costs might be. And, you know, we had a week, two weeks ago where mortgage interest rate went up a quarter of a percent over the course of one week. So that just makes it difficult. But so as much as I would like to see some of that volatility squelched, one of the issues, though, is that, you know, and we talked about this last week on the show, the year over year home price appreciation nationally is in the double digits at 10%. So when you have home price affordability on a, on a runaway path, you can't keep 
putting all the measures in place to keep the interest rates as low as possible, right? That's pushing that the inflation of home prices. Um, one of the greatest factors there besides scarcity is just the availability of, of such affordable money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were talking this week that it feels like our our county here, San Luis Obispo County, is quickly becoming a jumbo-only market. You know, the for the, the average home price and putting 20% down, that like jumbo money is the thing that gets it done. It's hard to even buy homes with conventional financing anymore um, as these home prices start to move closer and closer to a million dollars is kind of the, the norm, the, the normal home price. It's getting crazy. If it wasn't crazy already, it feels like it's getting crazy. Um, hey, I want to go ahead and, and put us into the first commercial break here. Um, and I think when we come back, we can talk. I mean, all of these things kind of tie in together here to what's happening in the economy. But we also got a jobs report that came out um, today. So we can talk about that and um, shed a little light on what's going on with the employment situation here within the U.S. So we're going to go ahead and do a commercial break. We'll be back here in just a few minutes with more Mortgage Matters. Stick around. Mortgage Matters will be back in just a few seconds. Stay tuned. More from the mortgage experts from Central Coast Lending in just seconds. Hey, Brian from AM Sun Solar here. Did you know that if you own a home and have an electric bill, you could miss out on the full 30% solar tax credit this year if you don't act fast? The full 30% tax credit lowers after this year, so you're going to miss out on cash and time is running out. Call AM Sun Solar today to see if your home qualifies for the full 30% solar tax credit. Get your free solar consultation before it's too late. We are already filling up our installation schedule to get the tax credit. So call AM Sun Solar today at 805-772-6786 or visit us at amsunsolar.com. AM Sun Solar is located in Paso Robles, so you know you're working with a local company that has the best equipment and a 20% longer workmanship warranty than anyone else in the area. Call us today at 805-772-6786 or visit amsunsolar.com to see if your home qualifies for a solar energy system and the full 30% solar tax credit. That's 805-772-6786. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. We are using low down payment programs and down payment assistance programs to help folks just like you buy their first home. You may not need to save and wait as long as you think. Are you ready to explore home ownership? Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 low and the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender licensed by the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. NMLS number 32835. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. We believe that cell phone apps are great for some things and wrong for others. When it comes to something as significant as a mortgage, use our team of mortgage experts. Leave the apps for ordering pizza, not for buying a home. Use your phone for its original purpose and give us a call today. Just call 543 low and the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. Licensed by the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. NMLS number 328358. In these times of economic turmoil, it's hard to know where to turn for financial security. At Blakesley and Blakesley, they've been providing solid financial advice for over 30 years. If you'd like a second opinion on your investments or just a financial tune-up, turn to a proven name you know you can trust. Blakesley and Blakesley. 
for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Come to Blakesley and Blakesley with offices in San Luis Obispo, Santa Maria, and Paso Robles. Member FINRA and SIPC. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. As a direct VA lender, we specialize in helping the great servicemen and women of the Central Coast utilize their benefit to purchase and refinance real estate. We thank you for your service and believe it's a distinct honor to serve you. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender licensed by the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. NMLS number 328358. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920 and FM 96.5 with your host, the mortgage experts from Central Coast Lending. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. All right. So tying into this um, discussion here about things that have been uh, not exactly bond friendly, in fact, causing a little bit more reason for the bond sell off has uh, been the February jobs report. And um, back to some old tricks from when we first started the show. Uh, all those years ago, we had, um, you know, unemployment was something we tracked regularly, talking so much about initial jobless claims and just hanging on the data from one month to the next. And one of the things that comes out the day before the jobs report is the ADP jobs report, which ADP is the private payroll company that, um, you know, reports they have so much so much reach within their data that they're able to make some projections which are generally pretty good and they missed it pretty good this time um, ADP reported that we would add only 117,000 new jobs um, and it turns out we added 379,000 new jobs so more than double what they predicted and thereby shattering expectations um, and also seeing a drop in the unemployment rate falling to 6.2%. Um, not good for bonds, not good for interest rates uh, when it looks like the economy is, is just poised to rebound rapidly. Yeah, I mean, it, it's good news for us as people. <laughs> We're seeing a, a lot of hiring. We saw a lot of hiring, particularly in the retail sector or in the, the hospitality and leisure um, sector accounting for a lot of that but yeah adp just swung and missed didn't they they yeah they didn't get it at all but i mean three hundred and seventy nine thousand jobs added unemployment rate you know didn't change significantly but it's inching its way down yeah um, and for some recent context here january was revised upward 166,000 jobs um december was revised was up to 306. Yeah, so 306. both went up, you know, on average about 100,000 per month and then another strong month here and you could see the trend is actually well I don't know, January kind of changed, but I mean this number was really good, 379,000 if we can just continue doing this, we'll start to chip away at that unemployment rate. 
Um, but I think that's the lingering worry is, is how quickly those jobs will be reabsorbed back into the workforce. Right. Um, it's interesting looking at the average hourly income or average hourly wages right? because <laughs> it actually spiked higher with the beginning of the pandemic because a lot of the jobs that were lost were the, lower on the pay scale. That's right. And then now as rehiring has, has continued a little bit here, we're starting to see the hour, average hourly earnings um, go down. Right. And you know, um, just a second ago here, I was, I was reading on and I, I wanted to throw this in to provide a little bit of context. The, um, since the start of the pandemic, um, which by the way, um, happy one year anniversary to two years, two weeks to flatten the curve, Dan. Yeah. Um, I think that's this week, right? Or close to it. I remember, I feel like I remember it pretty clearly. It was March 19th. Okay. The official orders came, came about. It was a Thursday. Yeah. So we're not quite there yet. We're a little early to the one year anniversary. A little Uh, early, but when it started though, um, as compared to now, there are nine and a half million fewer jobs. Um, so that just goes to show you that's how many jobs have been cut out is nine and a half million jobs. And, um, you know, when you look at the job gains that would have been created in this great capitalist environment in which we work, I mean, we, we probably would have added another 2 million jobs over the course of the year, if not for the setback. So you're missing, you know, maybe as many as 11 and a half million jobs, um, you know, and, and really when one of the, um, economists that I was reading about, um, who's a research economic research director said, you know, that at the current pace, um, you're looking at about four and a half years to get back to where the labor market would have been without the pandemic. Um, and what's scary is there are millions, maybe 10 million, um, that don't have that much time. They need work and need work now. And, um, you know, it, those, that part of the sentiment is the thing that makes me wonder why we're having a bond sell off and stock market rallies and spike in interest rates is we got 10 million uh, brothers and sisters here that desperately need return to work. And the smartest people in the room think that our national economy is going to have a four and a half year run before we can replace those jobs and get back to the employment position we were before the pandemic i don't know about you jason but i don't know many people who have four and a half years of reserves saved up in their savings account to weather that kind of timeline and then the other thought that's entering my mind here is this this conversation is so parallel to the the conversation we had coming out of the last recession about home building you know, where we, we lost all that time of building homes and then we were so far behind and we've, we've kind of watched that, you know, this demand, this never ending demand. And I'm starting, I'm sitting here wondering, well, how is the jobs market going to be impacted by, by all of this? It's going to, I mean, I, I don't know that it parallels all the way through, but just the, the lost time period, I guess, is, is the real parallel. Yeah. Well, and you know what what really just like the last recession that we had in 08 
What's really devastating is for the people that don't have the time to recover, you know, those folks that are, we're looking for retirement, you know, this is just another, another big blow to, you know, if you've lost your job or lost your business and, you know, now you're, now you're scrambling along. I mean, I guess the good news is, is that now at least we're not in the position where we were before, where the Dow fell by 45% rapidly, um, you know, but so at least now you, you, your investments for the time being are sound. Your real estate value is sound. It's just a jobs problem. And, you know, the optimists in the group say, well, hey, hang on. Without a big research in, you know, COVID cases or some massive national or global spike again, we should be able to add these jobs back a lot quicker than that. Um I don't really know. I hear what you're saying about housing. The thing that I hope that's different here is that you may not know how to build a house, but you may know how to open a business that could employ a few people and provide some goods or services that could, you know, work at getting some some jobs underway. I mean, that's that's one of the my favorite things about this great country is yeah, there's a little little bit of red tape. You got to get a license, maybe you need a business permit, maybe you need a tax ID number. You got to do a few things to get a business up and running, but I mean, we're we're Americans are just so good at that, right? I mean, think about totally. what happened last time. Gig work blew up in the eye of the last recession. I mean, look at like Uber and Lyft and those companies that were absolutely nothing before the recession um, were totally throttled up by people willing to work gig work to make ends meet. And and I suspect we're just going to see more and more of that resourcefulness going forward. Um, I agree. I know. agree. I, I meet in this group uh, monthly where we talk about issues that are pertinent to the city of Morro Bay. It's an economic development. It's a, it's a government affairs committee is, is the official title. Um, but we're an advisory board to the Chamber of Commerce. And one of the things it's so it's a group of 15 um, community members who some of us are business owners and some of us are just, you know, uh, people who who want to be involved in the community in, in various ways. So we get together monthly and we talk about issues. And one of the big topics we talked about at our March meeting was um, the empty storefronts. And I'm sure this is a conversation and a, and a worry of cities all across America. Are There's so many empty storefronts yeah. as a result of COVID. And, you know, what are they just going to come back? Or is there some great effort that has to be put forth by municipalities by by people by other businesses to bring businesses back how is this going to go and and there's a big part of me that thinks i mean these are just awful conditions and and when there's so little that we can do because the whole name of the game is to you know distance yourself and stay away it's 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 not an environment that really any business can start up in let alone thrive in it's it's difficult so I truly do think that as this pandemic wanes, that we're going to see businesses come back and and we're going to see, you know, maybe some new businesses, new gigs, new whatever born out of this. Yeah. Um, like you said, we are a resourceful population of people and, and we always manage to come back stronger no matter what the situation. Yep. So, yeah, I'm optimistic. You it's have just to the be, timeline. Right? It's it's the timeline I worry about. But I'm optimistic that 
we will come back stronger. I just hope it's it's fast. Yeah. Well, and that's and that's what you're seeing markets debate right now. I think I think that's why you're seeing a lot of this volatility is it has a lot to do with how fast is it going to rebound. And, and you're seeing the, the different opinions weigh themselves out through market movement, whether it's bond or stocks. Yeah. I mean, and I think one of the other things that seems apparent to me is that, um, you know, I was I was out this week um, and I just I was just kind of looking around and seeing, hey, man. People, they've done a lot. There's plexiglass. There's sanitizer everywhere. There's people distancing. Um, You really do see a lot more of people now that maybe used to push through doors at the same time now leave space for somebody else to go through. And so, you know, we've got, we've gotten to the point where we're, everybody seems to have kind of figured out kind of just a, a new way of, of doing this. And, and that's one of the things I think um, when this all first started, like you and I were talking, it's like, well, would you want your kids back in school? And those are questions that people really thought about right and mm-hmm. um you know well if you could go to las vegas tomorrow would you go and are you comfortable mm-hmm. flying on an airplane and do you want to do those things and you know now we're realizing that um well first of all like talking to my son's school today they said oh well it's a it's a capacities issue because we're limiting how many people we're going to allow in we're already full and you know i think that there's basically so many people now are have kind of come comfortable with the way of managing this and are willing to go out and do things. And, um, you know, but like you said, that's, that's part of what this volatility and chop is, is, um, you know, there's so much speculation about how it will go and how will people respond and will they spend their money and will they go do this and will they do that? And our employers figuring out how to maintain and grow and hire, or are they still shutting? And, um, you know, then comes along some news today that we added you know a a kind of a you know i dare to say a significant amount of jobs i mean february is not not exactly like um i mean i guess there's some winter wonderlands where february's some uh you know place to make your money but for the most part (laughs) it feels like february is not exactly the get out and spend your money month you know um no it's but a, when you see so many, I mean, there was 355,000 jobs added in hospitality and leisure. Right. And that's that's a sign from that industry that's been so battered through this pandemic that they're starting to ramp up. They're starting to bring people on because they know that, you know, as this reopening gains steam, that they're going to start to see more customers. So there's optimism there. That's right. Yeah. Um, and I think too, before we move on from this topic, um, every week I try to do this little update here about what's going on in terms of homes on, um, in forbearance plans. And since last week, when we gave this update, the total number of loans increased by one basis point. So from 5.22% now to 5.23%. Um, of total loans in servicing are in some kind of a forbearance plan. So, um, and again, that represents about 2.6 million homeowners. So that, 
that number, you know, it'd be better if it was going down. It's gone up now for several weeks in a row. So um, while there are some jobs happening and some people being higher, there's still plenty of hardship within the housing stock, people unable to make their house payments. So um, that just goes to show you, we're going to, we're going to be taking it some good, some bad, um, you know, from every direction for probably a good while to come. And so maybe we ought to just expect that volatility is going to be the new norm. Um, it's just, it's so hard to know for sure. And, and really, I mean, I guess what choice do you have, but to get up tomorrow and go do the things that you need to do and work towards bettering your situation. Um, yeah. We, uh, yeah, I think this this initial part of the reopening is going to be the most volatile. But I think eventually we'll get a pretty good idea of how how the vaccinations are going, how the outbreaks, you know, the little the little as schools get back and all that. If if there's little outbreaks and how major they are and how we handle them, I I think we'll get a pretty good idea, and then we'll settle into something here. Right, sure hope so. I mean, that's the bet, right? Well, I think we got most of our old people vaccinated or at least had the option to vaccinate. So, um, you know, we've been putting all the energy into the most vulnerable populations. And so, you know, maybe maybe we're going to be okay from here. I guess we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. It's time to do the, the final commercial break here of this hour. So we'll go ahead and do that. And then we'll be back here in just a minute with more Mortgage Matters. Stick around. It's time to pay some bills. Mortgage Matters will be back in just a few seconds. Stay tuned. More from the mortgage experts from Central Coast Lending in just seconds. Hey, Brian from AM Sun Solar here. Did you know that if you own a home and have an electric bill, you could miss out on the full 30% solar tax credit this year if you don't act fast? The full 30% tax credit lowers after this year, so you're going to miss out on cash and time is running out. Call AM Sun Solar today to see if your home qualifies qualifies for the full 30% solar tax credit. Get your free solar consultation before it's too late. We are already filling up our installation schedule to get the tax credit. So call AM Sun Solar today at 805-772-6786 or visit us at amsunsolar.com. AM Sun Solar is located in Paso Robles, so you know you're working with a local company that has the best equipment and a 20% longer workmanship warranty than anyone else in the area. Call us today at 805-772-6786 or visit AM Sun solar.com to see if your home qualifies for a solar energy system and the full 30% solar tax credit. That's 805-772-6786. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. We are using low down payment programs and down payment assistance programs to help folks just like you buy their first home. You may not need to save and wait as long as you think. Are you ready to explore home ownership? Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 low Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender licensed by the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. NMLS number 328358. this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. We believe that cell phone apps are great for some things and wrong for others. When it comes to something as significant as a mortgage, use our team of mortgage experts. Leave the apps for ordering pizza, not for buying a home. Use your phone for its original purpose and give us a call today. Just call 543 Lowe. mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. Licensed by the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. NMLS number 328 
888-382-3358. In these times of economic turmoil, it's hard to know where to turn for financial security. At Blakesley & Blakesley, they've been providing solid financial advice for over 30 years. If you'd like a second opinion on your investments or just a financial tune-up, turn to a proven name you know you can trust. Blakesley & Blakesley. For the service you deserve and the advice you trust, come to Blakesley & Blakesley with offices in San Luis Obispo, Santa Maria, and Paso Robles. Member FINRA and SIPC. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. As a direct VA lender, we specialize in helping the great servicemen and women of the Central Coast utilize their benefit to purchase and refinance real estate. We thank you for your service and believe it's a distinct honor to serve you. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 low and mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender licensed by the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. NMLS number 328358. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920 and FM 96.5 with your host, the mortgage experts from Central Coast Lending. Now, back to the show. All the COVID talk, it just dominates so much. And, uh, I mean, you get, you get tired of it? I get tired of it. I mean, yeah, but it's just, <laughs> that's what happens when there's something that affects every single aspect of your life is is here. I guess you got to talk about it. Right, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's crazy. I, I, this was never something that I ever considered would be something in my life. You know, I never, I never this thought is, pandemic. That, that we'll be doing that one day. This is a great reason when you find yourself stressing out about things. This is just one of the things I've learned as I've gotten older. The things that I worried about rarely come to fruition, and the things that actually happen are the things I never contemplated. Yeah. I mean, this is a great example. Yeah. I thought about, you know, like when the walking dead was popular and there was like the zombie (laughs) thing going on and like, Oh, that'll just never happen. That's impossible. And, um, you know, but never was it like, well, Hey, how about this sneaky little cough that can (laughs) catch you some pneumonia and kill people. And it's going to make it all the way around the world before anybody knows what to do with it. Oh yeah. And there won't be any real good or, you know, um, confidence instilling uh treatments for it it's just like a, you better hope to not get it because here's a lot of people dying from this thing uh it's pretty I'm, wild now wild you know thing. now you know the real things you can go worry about <laughs> yeah yeah and, and dan sadly once this thing is behind us i've heard that you're supposed to expect now just by way of how how you know global travel and all these things have gone down now that you're, you're going to be going through two more of these pandemics in your lifetime. Um, so no way. They only happen once every hundred years. No. Yeah. But the pace is increasing. And so you just need to know, um, stock up on the TP and, uh, 
what else? Hand sanitizer, masks. Those were all really hard to come by in the beginning. Um, so well, can, I know. I mean, the blueprint has been laid out there now. Now I know what to buy. I know where to put my money, how to shift it around. I know I know exactly what to do the next time this happens. Yeah, get your Zoom stock, Peloton. As soon as you start <laughs> right. hearing about, hey, there's a crazy flu going on on this continent, you'll be like, hey, go buy Zoom right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get the toilet paper, get some canned meat. We need some Zoom stock. Oh, crazy times. Um, yeah, and you know, the... The interesting, the other really interesting thing, you know, I, I mean, we kind of talk about this and breeze over it, but we've we have such a housing crisis that we've been dealing with that even the pandemic couldn't couldn't even put a dent in housing values. You know, you realize no. that? Yeah, it, it put a dent in them. I think it it springboarded them. <laughs> Is that going to be forever? I mean, that's one of the things I wonder about is once once this starts to run its course here and things get back to normal and those the the eviction and foreclosure moratoriums are lifted, is that when, um, you know, that some of the housing pain is going to come on or not? Um, I You know, I, I don't know. I, I still feel like we're in this. Whenever we talk to people, whether it's realtors or buyers, we still find that it's it's a supply demand issue that just has not been quenched since the the recession a decade ago. Right. Um, I mean, maybe maybe out of this pandemic, we do see a pop in inventory from some some folks who just you know, lose homes as a result of, of however their lives were affected. But they have by so much economic. equity though, you know, they do. I mean, but maybe it's, maybe it's forced sales at a, it, but I, I don't even see that being a long-term trend. That's a, that's going to be a short-term thing. Um, it might add a little spike in inventory momentarily, but it feels like the way things are going, it would just get absorbed so quickly. I mean, I think my biggest thought out of this is that with, with the appreciation going for as long as it has, and then seeing this big spike now that's kind of COVID induced, um, that's going to slow down. We were already before before COVID, we were slowing down to normal. We were seeing three, you know, yeah, two, five, one, three, two, three percent, yeah, right. That that was the appreciation rate we were seeing. Yeah, and I think with this big spike, it might just land us into flat plateaued home prices for a prolonged period of time. Um, Feels like I, that would be okay. I, I don't think that it would be bad. I mean, definitely not from the consumer side of things. People could freely move around and not worry, not feel like the window's closing on their ability to buy a home. Um, the financing side would be the piece to watch. Um, but I, I do wonder what a flat, housing economy does for the general economy. I, I worry that it kind of stagnates everything. I mean, as we've talked about for so many years on this show, so much of economic activity is related to housing. Um, there's, there's just so much that, that is related to people buying and selling and moving and, you know, upsizing and downsizing and just all the change that comes with that and all the consumerism that comes with that, that, I worry that that a, a plateaued market could could just 
plateau everything everything could be kind of flat for a while yeah maybe you know one of the things one of the things that is limited by it you know like i set up a couple purchase loans this week for clients that um bought homes less than four years ago like one of them was 2017 and one of them was 2018 both of them are selling their houses to buy bigger better houses now and we're talking now they're so they bought what was a three hundred thousand dollar house at the time and now are selling it for five hundred thousand to go buy a house for seven hundred thousand and i just see the the financial aspect of these buyers, as I'm like comparing the files right now, they, they don't change that much over the last few years. But what really did change dramatically is just the equity picture they have. So they move equity from one property to the next and, um, you know, end up, yeah, a little bit more payment, but um, they're just in a, in a decent spot because they, what they're, you know, now what they're borrowing and by borrowing more money, but without mortgage insurance, it's not as meaningful as a bump if they were buying that more expensive house with a lower down payment. So those situations and opportunities would be fewer as you didn't have people kind of swinging the vines, if you will, from their starter home to their move up home or their forever home. But, you know, it's yeah. just... And Even as I say that stuff, though, I, I still am not convinced that we've satisfied the demand that um, was created by not building homes for 10 years. We definitely, I, not we definitely so. have not. And, you know, I, I mean, I was talking with a friend of mine that's a very successful real estate agent down in Southern California, and he set up in Big Bear, his primary market, there's like 60 listings in the entire valley. Um, they're used to having several hundred listings at one time. So now they're at a rate of like, um, you know, four agents per listing and just worried that their livelihood might be at risk, even though the property values are high, there's so few of listings going around, um, you know, just in the, in the light, light inventory setup here that, um, you know, and, and that's, I mean, that's just been one of the challenges. And I think prop 13 does a lot to lock people in, in these super low interest rates. Once you, now you have a two and a half percent 30 year fix or something to stay put for the long haul. So I don't see, sure. I don't see inventory being solved anytime soon here, but, um, Hey, we're out of time today. Um, Real but, quick, Jason, yeah. can you give a rate update? Because I know last week we talked a lot about the rates rising. Um, it seemed like this week we had a little bit of rate relief. Um, yeah, although it, volatile, it relieved. We got a little relief. We got a little bit relief. Maybe you know, I'd say on average it is probably about an eighth of a point better than it was last week. Um, lots of volatility though, and so you know, it just. I'd, I'd say that the general call to everybody is, you know, if you've been thinking about a refi, um, you, man, you're, I don't want to say you've missed your opportunity, but um, the low watermark is behind us. And it just makes me want to let people know to get in and get your paperwork together and be ready. Um, there was a lot of applications that we took in the big pop two weeks ago where rates went up and people didn't necessarily want to lock, but now they're moving back towards lockable. So if you want to get yourself in that position, you need to reach out to us and do the homework ahead of time. Um, so you can find us on the internet at centralcoastlending.com, or you can call us on the telly at 805-543-LOAN, which is 5626. And um, thanks very much for being with us today, Dan. Thanks for your help. And everybody, thanks for listening. Um, 
Be safe. Be healthy. Let's uh, just keep getting better. Keep recovering. We'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks. Be well.